Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Alicia and I am your host for this episode. Now, in each episode of the Parent Ed Podcast, we will be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, and more. We will be speaking with everyday parents and also practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. We hope that you will keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. Now, today we are going to dive into a topic that's increasingly important in the world of social media, advertising and peer pressure, body image issues among children and teenagers. Now, while there's a common perception that body image struggles primarily affect females, it's important to recognize that body image issues likewise can challenge boys and girls alike. And as parents, it's our opportunity to address these concerns and provide support to our children. And before we continue, let's challenge a common stereotype, shall we? The idea that body image issues are exclusive to a particular gender is a misconception that can be damaging. What's true that societal pressures on appearance often affect females, boys are not immune to these pressures either. They face their own set of expectations and ideals related to physique, strength, and appearance. And today we have a special guest with us, John Lim, who is a working adult to share his journey with body image issues and how he has emerged stronger and wiser. Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast, John, and thank you for joining us today. Can you start by introducing yourself to our listeners and for us to get to know you better? Yeah, hi, Alicia. My name is John and I am a speaker and writer focused on adulting issues, especially for young adults and youths, uh, focused on issues around school and the transition into work. And mainly I focus on things such as emotions, mental health and their careers. Nice, you have a variety of wide-ranging experiences. We can't wait to hear more from you, John. Now, I understand that you went through a difficult season when you experienced some body image challenges and issues in your own life. Bring us through the experiences and what happened. So I remember that when I was in primary school, I was in this trim and fit club. So they call it tough club. And every morning we have to exercise. But despite exercising so much, my weight never seemed to go down. And then my friends would kind of joke with me, Hey John, why you exercise so much, still so fat? I mean, I would try to laugh it off, but I think internally, I think that began those seeds of discontentment around my weight, my body image. And later when I eventually grew up, I remembered that I had to make some big decisions around like what I wanted to study in university. And that was when I began to start binge eating food like cakes, chocolates, cookies to try and stuff the anxieties within me. And then slowly that got better because I saw a therapist. But again, like three years later when I had to go and find a job, then it happened again. And so I think the two big misconceptions often is that eating disorders only happen to females and then the other misconceptions around how eating disorders often just happen like once but rather it's more like cyclical sometimes. 
I see. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I yeah. picked up that, John, you know, you were sharing with us that actually as a child, you already started to experience the challenge in, in primary school and all that. But somehow, during that season and right up to before uni, right, it seemed yeah. that you were actually coping because the first big major episode yeah. kind of happened when you were around university age, right? Can mm -hmm. you share with us how was that season from primary school to mm -hmm. university and what happened that allowed you to seemingly be able to cope? I think what really helped, right, was because I was regular Regularly exercising and in sports so I think that allowed me to have like a better image of myself I think sports and exercise naturally infuses in your body dopamine and it helps you to feel confident and raises your self-esteem so I think those body image issues didn't affect me that much until it came to university and it also appeared that externally you were trying to find different ways to kind of manage the weight, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of external. Whereas internally, there seemed to be underlying issues that were not really addressed. And it kind of like, you know, came out or, or one may say blew up, eventually came to the surface yeah. Yeah, at university. How do you think that happened over time? Being in a competitive environment like Singapore, one always thinks that one is not good enough. And these comparisons that come through grades to your parents inevitably comparing you to your siblings or to your cousins ends up weighing on you. So even though this is just academics, I think eventually it does spill over to other parts of your life like your body image and you think that, oh, there's something wrong with me and therefore I have to go and control it in some way, whether it be through like dieting or eventually this became like an eating disorder. How do you think your struggles, John, with body image affected your sense of identity and self-worth? It was very, very difficult for me to deal with initially because when I started on these binges, it was just incomparably like difficult to even stop. And back then I kept asking myself, like, why am I so weak? Why can't I just stop, right? It's just food. <laughs> and it, it should be better controlled. I felt very, very bad about myself. But I think as I look back, um, those experiences with eating disorders eventually helped me to become like the person I am today. I think without them, I wouldn't be like who I am today. Appreciate the yeah. insight that you shared. If we could help our parents out here a little bit who might be curious and wonder when they're listening to you share your journey, right? Mm -hmm. And they are also curious to know uh, what are the common signs and symptoms of body image issues in a child that they should be aware of. Can you share a little bit more about that externally? What might be things that they should look out for as a parent? Very often, it comes down to how they manage their food. So that starts with the intake of food, right? So if you see your child suddenly eating very little or suddenly eating very much, I think those uh, should start ringing alarm bells in your head. I think then it also goes down to like, like the output of the food. So sometimes eating disorders like bulimia happens when the child tries to purge the food either through like vomiting. So if you see them like spending excessive amounts of time in the toilet, that might be another warning sign. Also, you can look at how they spend their money. Sometimes children might buy laxatives or they might buy like excessive amounts of food so if you find them suddenly asking for more and more money that might be like a warning sign that you have to look out for ultimately there isn't just one clear sign or symptom that you should look out for i think as a parent you know your child best you know when they are facing certain issues i think often it's better to be safe rather than to be sorry and to try and 
get to understand what the child is going through and then to bring them to a professional earlier rather than later. Great point you raise about like, you know, at some point parents need to know like this is a clear sign that they need to seek external or professional help. I recall and remember that one of the key factors when it comes to observing signs and symptoms, right, of a child struggling with, let's say, body image, you know, Mm. challenges here is also that of consistency and regularity and frequency. Mm. Because you mentioned like, you know, look out for when the child excessively eats too much or doesn't eat, right? So what is that regularity or the frequency of these habits on a repetitive basis that is like a clear warning sign? I mean, with individuals, it differs. But often, I think if it goes on for like two weeks, uh, and in my case, it was like for a month, then I think it's time to go and seek uh, some professional help. Thank you for sharing from my experience. I am aware yeah. that you, because we want to caveat here with our listeners that this is a conversation with you, John, you know, yep. and with your speaking from your lived experience. And mm-hmm. in any case of doubt, parents should definitely seek the advice of medical professionals. My next question for you, John, is this, right? You know, we you've started to share a little bit about common body image issues and eating disorders. Also, mm-hmm. you mentioned a little bit, what are some causes of these underlying body image, right? What are some usual, typical common causes and what are the factors driving these issues if you look at these causes they broadly speaking can be differentiated into two buckets i think the first is around comparison the second is around like this desire to control so if you look at comparison then it's exacerbated by this use of social media today so you might have influencers fitness influencers telling young children that you can lose weight by purging or fasting and then unwittingly children start doing this or maybe even in school children get affected by classmates friends telling them like hey you look so fat and often this can just be jokes but you know at a young tender age this might affect them very very deeply the second bucket of causes is around this desire to control so if you look at this desire to control often children face a lot of stresses in school if they are unable to control like the outcomes of their results they might turn to something that they can control, like their intake of food. And and this is something very simple. And so this desire to control, due to the external stresses that they cannot control, ends up pushing them towards disordered eating, or perhaps even to further problems like anorexia or bulimia. And, you know, if you look at these two buckets, control and comparison, like comparison tends to be like internal. It's like a mental state of mind, but the control is like external. It's like the things that you do externally to try and gain a sense of control over like the circumstances that are around you. Can we talk a little bit more about your first bucket, yeah. the more like internal yeah. kind of struggle? So for a young child, we've talked about like more visible physical symptoms, right? Like mm. the eating habits and all of that. What might be the emotional or psychological kind of manifestations of a child who might be struggling with a body image issue? Like with, you know, if somebody is teasing them in school or internally they feel they don't measure up, whichever idea is in their head, how might that manifest on an emotional or psychological point of view? Yeah, you would see that the child is socially more withdrawn. I do remember that when I was a social worker, I often had this client and he often said like, I have no friends. And he would often come home immediately after school and then end up like playing computer games for the rest of his day. And primarily it was because he had this idea that he was not good enough. Nobody would want to make friends with him. 
And often, as a young child, you might not be able to dissociate what people say and who you are. You might end up identifying with people labeling you as fat, unwanted, or like not very attractive, ugly. And then you might think, as a result of that, you, you start to withdraw from your friends. And I think those are some psychological symptoms which you can see play out in real life in their actions. So supposing a parent, you know, notices that the child for like over a week has been a little bit not himself or herself, maybe a bit socially withdrawn, like you mm -hmm. say, right? How can a parent come in, right, and be that support or even find opportunity to discover more behind why the child is behaving this way and, you know, have an opportunity to change a narrative that's going on in the child's mind? What mm. can a parent do? In social work, in psychology, we often have this idea of psychological safety. Essentially, as a parent, you want to provide that safe space but I think the question is how when often we are so busy I think the first is just providing that warmth to the child right and I think here it's essential to not just show empathy feeling with the child feeling what the child feels but also showing like compassion for the child so so showing warmth showing the child that you actually are there and you don't actually want to try and change anything because often when we see a problem in the child our first reaction as parents is oh why like that like <laughs> what's happening i think the approach more should be like oh tell me more rather than asking or questioning the child and trying to force them to change yeah, so there's a point about like sitting with the emotions of the child, yeah. you know, and coming across as more supportive and empathetic rather than telling the child outright, this is not right and please change now. Yeah. How can a parent affirm a child? So we talk about empathizing, right? Do you think that parents can also affirm a child with regards to their self-worth? It's not defined by how they look or how they dress. And how can a parent do that? Affirm their child's identity and self-worth? Something that really helped me growing up was that even though I was in all these tough clubs and seen as quite a fat person, what helped was my dad taking time every evening to go and run with me. And that act of just being with your child and doing something physical like exercise can show the child that, hey, I can actually be loved for who I am. And I don't necessarily think it always needs to be like through words. I think ultimately the child's internal question that needs to be answered is like, can I be loved for who I am as I come? And you can say that as many times, I, I love you, but not express that in terms of the actions, in terms of time that you spend with him. And I think ultimately the, the child is looking for that. Like, can I belong here? And would you be here with me? So I think it's important like as parents to just be there physically rather than just to show like symbolic words that might not end up making much impact in the child. We hear John, you know, you talk about not just verbally affirming, right? But letting mm -hmm. it come through and showing through actions. This brings to my mind the five love languages that I'm sure our listeners and parents might be very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Saying love in more ways than one would definitely yeah. help a child in such a situation. John, let's unpack a little bit about the second bucket you mentioned, the desire to control. Mm -hmm. So assuming that a child is not experiencing much positive success, let's say in the academics area you mentioned that and has a struggle with body image issues and realizing that they have an ample amount of control that is quite quote-unquote empowering for the child and suppose a parent were to encounter such a situation right how can they come alongside to help the child realize what might be a more helpful approach as opposed to trying to manage your eating and then uh, maybe overeating or purging or things like that how may a parent help a child to better manage that part 
Very often, we as uh, children grow up in such a competitive society. We do very badly in what is like the only place where we can be measured, which is say school and our academics. Very often, our instinct as parents is to try and get them to do better. I do think that you know, as parents, like beyond just like listening, building that safe space for them, I think it's also important that you as a parent try to help the child to actually figure out like where they. Their other strengths might lie. So whether it be like through other physical like activities like swimming, tennis, sports, or whether it be through like musical, artistic expression, I think it is very important that the child is able to build up esteem in other areas that aren't just like related to their academics. So that they feel that there is inherent value in them beyond what the school tells them and labels them as like poor performing. I like that you mentioned about the innate value of a child and how a child is neither measured by academic success mm -hmm. nor you know how they look like body image wise and even how they dress, but there are other strengths and talents that are waiting to be discovered as a child grows up. You know, John, you come here into our podcast and you bring with you a story. We'll love to hear. A little bit more about story as we conclude, you know, I'm really curious to know, and maybe our listeners are as well, you know, when you will at perhaps one of the more challenging or the lower point of your struggles, right? What really worked for you and what was supportive to help you to come out of it? I remember that I was like binging very, very heavily on food. I was probably, I didn't look very healthy. I was somber. I was sad and it was like a dark cloud over every single setting that I went and yet I remember very clearly that my friend from volunteering still took every single effort to ask me out to chill me as they say for every single outing or thing that he organized and he never gave up on me even though like I probably gave up on myself and he always kept trying to joke and be with me even though I was probably not a very fun guy to be around with. So I do think that if you see your child or you see uh, friends who are struggling, I think it's really important to just take that relational risk to go and be together with them, to ask them out, even though it might seem that there are much better places where you can have more fun, be happier, and where things just don't have to be so hard. I love how you phrase that relational risk. You know, being a friend is not just in good times when everything is rosy, but you mm -hmm. know, when we see someone uh, down in the dumps, as we may say, right, that persistent friendship can really make a difference. And I also, you know, like how you shared, John, about the power of community, not just what parents can do, but what the other people around the child as well. So you spoke about your friend who was really, really there and persisted in wanting to relate with you and pull you along, yeah. you know, yeah, and that was really great for you. And as we now wrap up today's episode, John, uh, want to thank you and want to also invite you to maybe share your last word of encouragement or inspiration even with our listeners. In closing, I just want to end off with this. Today, especially youth, young adults, we live in a very experiential world, which is like driven by speed and how fast you can get something. And often we focus on what social media feeds us and we want to give the, those impressions. So for example, like how fancy our meals are or how thin we look, kind of clothes we dress. And so it's driven very much by, you know, tangible things. But I think ultimately, you know, when we deal with something like eating disorders, body image issues, ultimately it comes down to the relationship that is between us, the intangibles. So me and my friend, 
uh, me and my family, but also like the relationships uh, within ourselves. The question that our kids are asking and should be asking ourselves is like, can I love myself? But I think, you know, as parents, when we see our children suffering through this, I don't think the approach should be, why are they like that? As if they were like doing something wrong, but just assuming the best of them and asking ourselves very honestly, like, what if my child was doing the very best that he or she could? I think that really changes the frame on how we look at supporting our children. Thank you for the nugget of wisdom, right? You mm -hmm. effectively went back and asked our parents here, right? And maybe sometimes it's our approach and our mindset and our philosophy when it comes to parenting. Mm -hmm. You know, the question of what if my child was already giving his or her best in that situation and what would my response be? Will I accept my child for what he or she can offer and which is already his best. We'll leave that thought with our listeners for today. And thank you so much, John, once again for sharing your lived experiences with us so openly. We appreciate that. And for those tuning in, we hope you have benefited from this podcast and now feel a little bit more confident in having the know-how and on how you may journey with your children in different challenges that may encounter our way. And so for more parenting resources, do visit our website at family.org.sg. So do keep tuning in to the Parent at Podcast to grow in your parenting journey. Until next time, have a great week with your family. Bye.